We are continuing a series uh, in the book of Ephesians. How many of you have been enjoying the learning, studying God's words and looking through Ephesians? Yeah, and just the different perspectives. We're getting towards the end of it. Uh, but our series is titled, A Better Way of Living. How many of you want a better way of living? Good. Everybody else is, is, is set. They're good. So you can go ask them how to have it if you don't want to listen to the series. I'm kidding. But it's a better way of living. There really is a better way of living, and there's, there's only God's word that can, that can tell us this. How many of you uh, ever had one of those days where you look less like Jesus and more like a crazy person? Right? Some of you are like, bro, I, had one, I have one of those lives, <laughs> not one of those days. You know, doesn't it feel, especially now with the weight of everything happening in our world today, like we're fighting battles all day long. They just keep coming at us. A lot of times we don't even know where they came from or, or how they even started. I mean, we wake up in the morning and, and we brew our coffee and we get in our, our, little, our little spot and we get our Joyce Meyer devotional and we get, you know, our prayer time and, and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, this, I have a determination that this is going to be the best day ever and, and we feel so good and, and <clears throat> we walk out of our prayer time and bam, <laughs> we just immediately get knocked down spill the coffee all over, step on the dog or the kids or whatever, you know, we just, you know, we, we just immediately seems like we're hitting a battle at every turn. I, I do oftentimes, I'm sitting there and I'm just in deep intercession, I'm praying and just connecting with God and I feel this peace all over me and I'm just, man, I'm feeling so great and then I close my Bible and I stand up and I'm like a madman yelling at the kids and, and just like, where did this come from? Where did this guy come from? Man, he was just at peace two seconds ago. How, do you understand, how many of you feel that sometimes? It is a daily, daily battle that we face. Life can get the best of us at times. It's truly a battle. It's struggle. It's a fight. You know, we have attitudes. We've got financial issues. We've got marital issues. We've got physical ailments. We've got the kids, if you have kids, and we've got the family, and we've got school, if you're in school, and relationships, and work. And then at work, there's the coworker, <laughs> And then the boss. And now, what? We have political issues, which is so much fun, and social issues. And, and it just keeps compiling and if that wasn't bad enough, it's like, here you go. How about a world pandemic to keep you on your toes? That'll be fun. Which, by the way, I just can't get, I still cannot get used to this. It's like everybody with masks. I mean, isn't it just crazy? It's a battle. It's a fight. It's a struggle. A win for us some days is remembering to brush our teeth, right? Right? <laughs> My son was proud the other day. Dad, I haven't brushed my teeth or bathed in a month. I'm like, I thought that was the dog poop. <laughs> Put your mask back on, okay? Some of you like it ain't just the kids. But anyway, it's just, it's, it's a struggle. Charles Stanley, he said this. He said, nations fight against nations and marriages people fight against each other. 
children fight against each other. We are in warfare, in a national warfare, and in warfare with each other and with ourselves. And that's true. But you know what? As believers, as people who follow Jesus, there is a cause to this battle that oftentimes we forget about. Or sometimes we are oblivious to the real battle that's happening in and around us. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been going through Ephesians chapter 1 and talking about getting close to God and unity and all those things. And and now as we transition towards the end of our series and towards the end of Ephesians in chapter 6, Paul gets a little Lord of the Rings on us, I ain't gonna lie. In the middle of chapter 6, you're sitting there reading about these practical things we're doing, and then he, in the middle of the book, says this. And here's, here's something that we need to know. And, and when he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus and other people, it circulated to others, it circulated to us today. That's why we have it in the Bible. It was probably one of the most important messages, important letters that Paul wrote. Ephesians in general, but specifically when he gets to this point. I'd encourage you, if you don't take notes, to take some notes this morning on your phone, on your paper, but turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 as we read God's word this morning. I'm going to read out the amplified version because I think it really accentuates the word really well. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. In conclusion, see, he's wrapping up things. In conclusion... All this stuff I talked about, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him. From who? From him. And be empowered through your union with who? With him. And in the power of his boundless might. Then he says this, put on the full armor of God. Okay, get a little military here. For his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily, heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of your neighbor. No, it says the devil. <laughs> Some of you are right. Yeah, you were right the first time. But no, seriously, this is what I want to focus on this morning, this next part. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. All those things we just, I just shared, Paul's saying all those things I talked about, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. I told you. Seems like, is he reading a script for the next Star Wars movie? This is in the Bible. Let's pray. Father God, open our hearts and minds to receive what you want us to receive this morning. God, there are people in here maybe have never heard this subject before. Maybe people that were misunderstood it. God, help us to understand the big picture of what's happening all around us with these struggles and battles we face. In Jesus' name, Amen. How many boxers in the room? Boxers? Any? My grandfather, 
uh, loved boxing. He loved watching boxing. Boxing is great. I mean, you got a grown man and a grown woman knocking each other out legally. I mean, how awesome is that, right? Pretty insane. Uh, Christianity can oftentimes feel like a, a boxing match, right? You're just constantly trying to protect yourself, much less get a, a swing in. It's not a damage-free sport. You get a lot of blows, right? Sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, but it is a fight. It's a battle. But like a good boxer, you need to be able to not only deliver good punches, but you need to be able to have a defense in place so that you don't get knocked out. And the more training, the more knowledge you have, the better chance you have of winning, right? You're just not going to walk in a ring and beat Mike Tyson. Tell, him, tell that guy that. Anyway, but most of us, seriously, we, we go through life as if, well, just take things as they come. I just, you know, when it comes, I'll go. And that's like going into the boxing ring with no gloves, no skills, no training, no plan. That's an excellent way to lose any battle, by the way. The writer of Ephesians, Apostle Paul, is clearly stating that we are called to a greater fight than anything we can see with our own eyes. He's saying here that it's not just a physical fight we face. Those issues you're thinking of right now, you're thinking of those battles you're dealing with right now, and everybody's got a different battle. He's saying you've got to recognize that it's not just physical. There is a spiritual battle, and it's not against each other. We're not each other's enemies. We're not, th think about it. We are not each other's enemies. There's someone else buying us against each other, putting a wedge between each other. It says against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of the dark world and spiritual forces of evil. I know you've had bad teachers, but that's not who it's talking about. Something else, something greater. And some of you may be sitting here thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, what is going on here? What, is this some kind of sci-fi thing? Like, this is crazy. I've never seen this before. Or I've just kind of brushed over it. Friends, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you want a, truly want a better way of living, it's not going to be five steps or a great life. I'm telling you, you're not going to run to a motivational speaker when things get tough. You're going to run to the only source that's going to help you win the war. That's what we're trying to do, and not just any war. We are called to engage in this thing that the Bible calls spiritual warfare. It's real. It's very real. What is spiritual warfare? You know, uh, when I was, uh, when my daughter, Chrysalin, my oldest, was a baby, I will never forget not being able to sleep at night. And the Holy Spirit would often wake me up and make me go pray in the Spirit over the crib constantly. I was fighting a battle for her that I never knew would happen because I fought it then. You understand? I, I can tell you stories about my, uh, my father-in-law who wasn't a follower of Jesus, and my mother-in-law would go in the room at nighttime, and it was dark, and she would hear chains rattling. And one time, she was a strong follower of Jesus. She, would wa she walked in the bedroom, and she literally in her spirit saw chains dangling over my father-in-law. 
Like just real stuff. And it's not always that. It's not always these superstitious, you know, this mystical. I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, getting in an argument with someone. That's not this outer worldly thing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things, but it's real. These issues, not some hocus pocus witchcraft stuff. But you know, sometimes spiritual warfare doesn't always look as obvious. Warfare in the military sense is not just armies that line up on, the, on the, each side of an imaginary line and then go at it against each other. Warfare is much greater than that. If you know anything about the military, warfare is diplomacy. There's espionage. There's, there's negotiations and there's maneuvering behind the scenes, which at times can have a greater impact on the outcome of the fighting than on the actual place where it's fought. Because after all, what's really at stake here is power is control of something. That's what's happening in the heavenlies. Whether we know it or not, every single person who calls himself a Christian is engaged in an enormous spiritual battle. Every single one of us. Not against forces of any earthly nation, but against the forces of darkness who want control, who want power ultimately who want to be God, who want to take control. And yet the battle is mostly unseen. It's an invisible war <laughs> happening all around us. It was a war to come here this morning, right, for some of us. It was a battle to get through this. Things going on behind the scenes that we, we just don't naturally perceive or understand is happening. That's what Paul's saying. These invisible acts and Forces, this is what determines spiritual victory sometimes and defeats. Happening there, we don't see. Not what's happening right in front of us. We think we're winning the war here. And it's a battle in the invisible. And the war is often between what's good and what's bad. The, the war is between what's truthful and what's false, which is a lot of, lot of that. And it's also between righteousness and evil. Now, righteousness is a big word, but it basically means being morally right or justified by God. And evil is profoundly immoral, extremely wicked. And now look, if you think this is sci-fi, some of you just, just reading this or understanding, if you think this is sci-fi lingo, listen what Paul, listen what the Bible says about just this whole battle. It gets really interesting. You see, God is the source of all good. And, his, and with him are his people, his followers, helping him battle this. But remember, we're talking about a spiritual invisible war too. And he has another group of people helping him. These good angels. These angels. They're like, here he goes. You heard that right. We have a spiritual beings, angels, that are helping God fight these spiritual battles. And the opposite of God and the opposite of good is the initiator of evil, the one causing it all to begin with, who is Satan. And he's allied with all of these who can deceive into serving his purposes, using people. That's why we're trying to get people, one, because God, the, the enemy is using them. 
And then he has a group of people to help him in the, in the spiritual, in the visible world, and that's demons assisting him in the fight. You see, all this stuff is in the Bible. Whoever said the Bible was boring, by the way, hasn't read the whole thing. It's amazing, but it's kind of eye-opening when you read this stuff. And if you're hearing this stuff for the first time and you don't see how what is happening so much in our lives today is not what we can see with our own eyes or hear with our own ears. There's so much more to it than that. Some people, you know, they'll give the devil too much credit. Blame everything on him. The problem that I see now is some people don't give him credit at all. Like he doesn't exist. Like he clocked out. I read the end of the book. It's over. No, it's still happening. It's still happening. I want to look at the big picture for a moment. What's happening ultimately in this big war? Because again, I'm trying to get our mind to stop focusing on the petty arguments and the disagreements on Facebook. I want to show you what's happening in the big picture that is causing this stuff. That's where I'm trying to bring our minds to this morning. The big picture. God's purpose is to fill all of creation with something called his glory. His glory. Now, that might be a word you've never heard of or you don't fully understand. Maybe you hear it, you sing it, and you've never known. It's just his magnificence, his awesomeness, his goodness. And that's what I say a modern word would be his awesomeness, the greatness of God. People, that's why we worship. That's why we worship. It sounds mystical, but it is part of the battle. It is a huge deal in the battle. God's glory is a big deal. I mean, you think about in the Old Testament about his glory. In Exodus 33, 19, Moses is told that no human being can see the glory of God and survive. That's how powerful, that's the God we worship on Sundays, that we sing songs to, that we praise it's not this vending machine in the sky that we just grants genie that grants our wishes. It's, it's, it's about expressing this glory over there. That's, what the, that's the big picture of what's happening. But now as believers, this is the Old Testament, now as believers, Scripture says that God's glory is revealed to us in Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's why we worship Christ. That's why when you become a follower of Jesus, you have this understanding, this revelation, if you will, of that glory, and it resides inside of you, but you have to fight to keep it and to spread it. And the more of God you experience and the closer you get to Jesus, the more you understand this, the more you understand his glory and how magnificent he is, and the more you want to share it with others, which is God's ultimate plan. That's the big battle. That's the war that's raging. Christians are call, aren't called to walk in defeat. With heads down, defeated, we're called to help share this glory all over the earth. So you see why a battle's raging, because 
the magnificence, this glory. It, it fills the heavens. It's all over the heavens, and God's trying to bring it down on earth. So God works to advance things like his goodness and his peace and his love and his righteousness and his joy, and he calls people to become citizens of heaven even while they live on earth. He's bringing that down. When we become believers, we don't just get a ticket to heaven. We don't pack our bags and sit at the bus stop waiting to go one day. That's not what we're called to do. No, God wants us to live on earth as it is in heaven. Why are we losing the war? We think it's natural. But God has a real enemy that will stop at nothing to wreck his plans and your plans. Satan's purpose is to spoil all of creation and to deny and oppose God's glory as best as he can. He's not trying to get you not to get that car. He's trying to stop God's glory to be spread throughout the earth. That's his plan. That's his purpose. So what does he do? Satan advances sin and evil and hatred and despair, and he seeks to prevent people from believing in God and becoming citizens of heaven and experience the glory of God on the earth. See, God's strategy is to enlighten and save. And Satan's strategy is to deceive us and to destroy us. You see why life seems like a battle all the time? <laughs> Especially when you begin to get serious about Jesus. When you feel the weight of despair in your life, that is not God. When you feel hatred building up in your heart, that is not Jesus. Those friends that won't come to small group or to church that you've been inviting over and over and over, that's all part of the spiritual battle we face against. God's greatest enemy. While you don't want to believe everything Satan says, I mean, I don't want you all going to the store now going, the devil made me buy that dress. No. <laughs> the devil made me buy them new shoes. I mean, we want to, we're going to start blaming the devil for everything. But you cannot ignore that he is at work in and around you trying to bring you down. We're not trying to bring him glory this morning. We're trying to get you to understand what's happening the big picture. When you are in a battle, you are most likely doing your best work for Jesus. Ask Pastor Wayne what this past eight years have been like, and Christy. So you see, winning the war first requires knowing what and who and why we're up against, who we're fighting. God has a plan for us to win, and Satan's plan is to do whatever it takes for us to lose. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief, who is our enemy, Satan, he comes not only to, excuse me, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There it is. Jesus said it plainly. His purpose in coming wasn't just to save us, but to help us have a better way of living this life, this battle, right now. And the enemy wants to steal, and he wants to kill, 
and he wants to destroy us now and forever. He just wants to stop it all. But God wants us to win. He wants us to experience heaven on earth. In your worst days, in your worst possible days, God is your only hope to get through it. And by the way, guess what? So far, all of this in the, in the room, all of us in the room, have survived 100% of our worst days. So you're going to make it. You're going to make it. But listen, this is so important. God doesn't just want us to survive. He wants us to win. He wants us to help stop this that the enemy's trying to do. He wants us to win. You know what? With anything, anything in life, especially spiritually, we need hard work and effort. Good things never come to those not willing to fight. A lethargic Christian is a defeated one and a bullseye for the enemy. You can't, that's what lukewarm is. You can't be and survive that way. That's why we keep losing on so many fronts. So we have this, you know, understanding, but how do we defeat it? Spiritual warfare occurs in, in every, every day, in our everyday lives in different ways, and sometimes it's very blatantly, as I mentioned, but sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it can be in the home, family issues. Sometimes it's a spousal issue or, or the coronavirus issue or, or you know, these, all these issues we're, we're fighting and battling about. It could be sickness. It could be drugs and alcohol. It could be sexual addiction. I mean, just it goes on and on. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's not. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some very specific tools that God gives us to fight this war, but for now, we need to see where the battle is happening, where, it's, where we're fighting it so that we can win it. In combat, again, the battlefront is the region, the area where the fighting actually takes place. And I'm going to tell you, in the Bible, it shows us where spiritual warfare is happening, where the battlefront for spiritual warfare is happening. It's happening in the world, the flesh, and with the devil. Those are the three battlefronts. Say it with me. The world, the flesh, and the devil. These are three important things. They can become abstract if we don't study and understand, but these are critical in understanding the battle that we face. And I'm going to end this morning sharing about those three things. The first battlefront, the world. It doesn't mean the actual physical world. Guys, I'm all about tree-saving trees, but that's not what it's talking about. We don't need to go out and, and grab a hold of the trees and stuff like that. You take care of God's creation, but that is not the world. The material, physical world is not what God is talking about, that he created in Genesis. We need to understand this. The world and its negative sense is the world system of values. That's what it is. And Paul writes about some of these things in his letter. Listen, hang with me a little bit longer. He describes it as worldly convictions, habits, thoughts, and affections held by society or by our culture and by humanity as a whole. And yes, this most certainly includes politics and love, sometimes even religion. A lot of times. These are worldly because they can oppose God they can 
deny God, or they can attempt to exist apart from God. And 1 John 2.15 says this. It says, do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. That's why it's so important, listen to me, to not just blindly listen to the convictions of a world that is in war against God. You are even a good thing. We are being deceived right now by good things, by things we think are good. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, do this, don't do that. And, and it seems like okay information. And the right pits the, against the left, and the left pits the, you know, and, and, and it, this is truth. And no, you need to see this, and you need to watch this. And the devil is laughing at us, going, oh my God, we don't have to work hard with these people. Demons, take your two weeks off. Those Americans got it covered for us. Social media and the news is not going to set you free. It's not going to help you overcome the battles of darkness, people. Wake up. You are being deceived. Because those things are at war with God's views and God's plans. Quit getting your news and your opinions from the world and get it from somewhere else. The only thing that lasts, the only thing that will last. If you think for once politics is what we need, listen, if God wanted to use politics to deliver his people, he would have left Moses in Egypt for crying out loud. We need the word to overcome the world, not the latest fake video that a right group pr produced or a left group produced. Quit being deceived. Wake up, church. Can somebody pass out some coffee, please? Maybe that'll help. Really to me. We need the word to overcome the world and its ungodly systems. Overcoming these forces in our own lives, as well as helping others to overcome them, is part of the war we wage against the fallen world in which we live. And we are to disengage ourselves from the ungodly elements of this world value system. Do you understand? But at the same time, we have to influence the world with the cause of Christ. So we don't just ignore it. We have a purpose. The second battlefront. The first is what? The world. The second is what? The flesh, which does not mean our skin and bones, nor does it only refer to our sexual desires. These are all part of God's good creation that the world is destroying. Rather, flesh refers to the inherent bent towards sin that every human being inherits from their first human, Adam. 
It refers to not just actions like sex and money and power, and, but it also focuses on attitudes like lust and greed and all kinds of selfishness. The, the flesh is the personal battlefront where believers battle sin and evil, not from the world, but from within themselves. The world's out here, that battlefront, flesh is in here. Internal powers, values, influences, temptation. Listen what the Apostle Paul and Christy can start making your way. Writes of the flesh in Romans 7. My, one of my favorite, most frustrating books of the Bible. Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read verse 14. I'm going to skip around a little bit. The Amplified Bible puts the flesh like this. I am a creature of the flesh. Verse 14. Worldly self-reliant, carnal, and unspiritual, sold into slavery to sin and serving under its control. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good lives in me. That's the first acknowledgement for freedom, by the way. You don't come to Jesus because you're good. You come to Jesus because he's good and you're not. That's the vital understanding. Nothing good lives in me. That is my flesh my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity. For the willingness to do good is present in me, but the doing of good is not. That's the battle. 24, wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me and set me free from this body of death, this corrupt and mortal existence? Thanks be to God for my deliverance through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on one hand, I myself with my mind serve the law of God, but on the other hand with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. This passage is describing an eternal civil war that is happening in every single one of us. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Christian in you wants to do the right thing, but the flesh continues to pull us down, as Paul says, <clears throat> so we got to wage war against the tendency to go the way of our flesh, which pulls us away and against the will of God. And look, don't feel bad. Look who wrote this, the Apostle Paul. This is about making you feel guilty. It's about understanding the war we're in and where it's being fought. The third and final thing is the devil. We got the world. We got the flesh, and now we have the devil. And by the way, he doesn't have red tights and a, a, a horns on his head and, and a pitchfork, and he shows up for Halloween and Mardi Gras. That's not the devil. I don't know what that is, actually, but it's not him. Wouldn't it be easy if that was him? See, Satan is an extremely powerful fallen angel, evil to the core, and absolutely set against God. I want you to be careful to understand, I'm not trying to give him praise or credit or puff him up or whatever. Most people don't understand who they're wrestling with. You think you're wrestling with each other or views or whatever. You are wrestling with someone that was a part of God's army. If you were a part of an army, wouldn't you know a lot about the commander? And what his goal was? Wouldn't you use that against him if you turn from him? The devil refers to the supernatural battlefront where believers battle Satan and all other supernatural beings 
who the Bible identifies as the source of evil. Satan and all his posse use the world and the flesh to keep us from doing the will of God. Willpower is not going to help you. Determining in your mind is okay, but it's a battle. And as we consider, if we think about this invisible war, we got to think of these two things. First, we must recognize that it is God alone who makes us victorious in this great battle. Most people think the story of David and Goliath, guess who gets the credit? David. But guess who defeated Goliath? God. Not a mere mortal man with a, with a slingshot. God gave him the ability to do that, the power and the authority to defeat the enemy. Don't ever miss that. His resources, his strength, his ministry to us, are what allows us to keep from being destroyed in this battle. And look, we got to develop the conviction and the habit of turning to him, not the news, of depending on him and look, obeying him so that he can win the battle for us. You know, I know for some of you hearing stuff like this, you're like, I didn't know Saints Community Church was into UFOs and extraterrestrial stuff. I'm reading the Bible. It's an amazing book with an amazing story. It's a great love story, but it's also a story of war, spiritual war. And we're not used to thinking about invisible enemies and spiritual battlefronts. We don't wake up in the morning thinking about that. We think, how am I going to make it through this pandemic with my kids going to school and with this life? And we just forget that we are in a spiritual war. And if we're not careful, we can be duped to thinking that we're only battling people and circumstances. There is an enemy, a mastermind that's greater than Darth Vader. <laughs> and his plan is to gain controls of our minds and, 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 and all of us through deception. He wants to deceive us. He wants to destroy us. And the only way, listen, that we can get victory and no peace is through learning and applying God's word. It's the weapon. We're going to look at that in a little bit next week. The, I mean, think about it. Think about you having, it's like a cheat sheet. You having the enemy's tactical plans in your hand. <laughs> you know, kind of like Coach Bill Belichick having all the other team's playbooks. If you know, you know. Seriously, though, an, an NFL quarterback cannot just thrive on talent alone. He needs to be smart enough to memorize the playbook because when the coach calls up that play at any moment, he needs to be able to deliver. He needs to be able to do that. And we are defenseless when we don't treat God's word that way. See, it's not about winning a Bible memory verse trophy. Our kids do Bible memory so that they can start winning the battle early. That's why. We... We all act like icebergs, 10% above the surface and 90% below. We're all like an iceberg. And it's the 90% we don't see in each of us, the conflict we're facing.
But in conflict, sometimes Christians are like an ostrich. When scared, they bury their head in the sand and pretend the enemy's not there. We can't do that. We can't live like that. We cannot live like this. If we want a better way of living, we have to be smart. We have to know the enemy's tactics. And there's tons of books written on spiritual warfare. And we're going to unpack some more of these weapons the next couple of weeks online and, and in the service. But I want you to stand with me for a moment. Because I want you to understand the battle is real and you don't have to go through it alone. There's small groups that you can be a part of. There's opportunities for you to, to study God's word.